Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is uh, the Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick playing jams to uh, soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who might have uh, had saw their teams get the L over the weekend. Uh, that includes Cowboys fans, which we'll get back to talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we'll break that down. You can be a part of it. Specs text line 512-337-3776. That's the number to the Specs text line. You can reach out to us via Twitter. Uh, my man Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse, and I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. Little Stevie Wonder there. Nothing wrong with little Stevie. Man. Stevie, I always say Stevie is is in a conversation for most underrated artists, though, out there. You don't get, there's not enough Stevie Wonder talk. There's not enough Stevie Wonder about, love. It's, it's not enough. Yeah, when you start yeah. talking about the greats, you know what it reminds me of? I, I've always said this. It, he's basically the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of music. Because when you start talking about goats, nobody ever talks about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Correct. Nobody does. Yeah. We, like you're even talking about you talking about all time great Lakers. Don't even bring up Kareem as much as they should. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, he should definitely be at the top of the Stevie, conversation. Stevie Wonder and Kareem, yeah. man, got a lot in common. <laughs> That's a great comparison, though. I like <laughs> um, how you just pulled that one out of there. I uh, like pulled it, it, out of, it out of my arse. Yeah, man, no way. I like that. Um, all right, let's get to uh, the. Oh, you know what? Let's start talking with talking about the other playoff games and then work our way back to the Cowboys because I'm doing Cowboys and Rodgers around the day, so we'll just continue our Cowboys talk in the next segment too. So let's start with the other divisional round games, gentlemen, that we uh, did not get to. Let's start because honestly, two of them well, we can discuss pretty easily and pretty quickly. Uh, they'll just be real quick summaries. The Eagles beating the Giants 38-7. to That was just a bludgeoning. Um, and we can start there because I don't know if there's <laughs> a ton to discuss. It was the third time in the last 20 years a team led by 28 at half and won by at least 28 points. <laughs> it was the largest margin of victory in a divisional round since 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Philly scored touchdowns on their four of their first five drives. I remember watching it um, to that point after that is when um, I, I lost a little bit of my interest um, and started kind of you know, shifting things around. Right. I was distracted after that because I knew the game was over. Right. Uh, and that and I was essentially right. I mean, it, the Giants were the Giants were never in this game. They had 227 no. yards of total offense in this game. <laughs> like, what? What? Like, <laughs> you get to this point, and I, I was – I was on this bandwagon because I was thinking about the running game. I was thinking about mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley being able to kind of steer this ship mm-hmm. for them and, and give them an opportunity to make some plays, but he never had an opportunity to do anything. I mean, nine yeah. nine attempts for 61 yards, that's good for him, but then they never really got him going in the passing game. He was He's a major part of what they do because they don't have those top weapons Anymore, we talked about the guys from last week. None of them showed up. Hodgins, mm-hmm. uh, one reception for three yards. Mm-hmm. Slayton, one reception for four yards. And Marcus Johnson, shout out University of Texas <laughs> wide receiver, one for seventeen. That's it. That's it. That's no, it. It was. It, it really was. It was a dominating performance by Philadelphia. Daniel Jones struggled from the outset. Mm-hmm. He started the game, or at least their offense started the game with a turnover on downs. Then he threw an interception the next drive, and then three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. 
Yeah, wasn't uh, even close. And that, the game was over with by that time. They were already down, I believe, 28 points by that time. Uh, Philly generated 13 pressures and got five sacks. Yep. So, man, they just they were just tormenting Daniel Jones. So Philly looks as good as advertised, and although we know Jalen Hurts is dealing with a shoulder injury, it did not look like it hindered him uh, much in this matchup. Especially on that second play when they throw it deep to him, to Devontae oh, Smith. They were just yep. like, hey, man, we're just about to let you know that his arm is where it needs to be. Yeah. He just wants y'all to back up a little bit because now you're going to have to put some respect on it. And then they could open up the rest of their offense. And he didn't even have to throw the ball that much because of that running game that they had. They ran for 268 yards in a playoff game. Philly averaged 6.1 yards per carry. They had 150 yards before contact. Before anybody ever touched them, they had Made yards. no sense. Yeah, they, it was that, that, honestly, I cannot wait for that San Fran-Philly matchup. Yep. But it does make you think, man, that Philly, I said this before too, they were bored at the end of the year. They were bored. It's yeah. pretty obvious they were bored. They got a little bored, and then they had the injury to Jalen Hurts, and they're like, you know what, man, without our quarterback. Let's know. just try some different things. Yeah. Let's see what's happening. And I think they knew once they got Jalen Hurts back that they would be, you know, that they'd be playing at their zenith, at their uh, apex level, if you will, and they really are. They looked amazing in that matchup. So Eagles moving on to the NFC title game. And, by the way, Philly, uh, for the third time in the last 15 years, they'll be in the NFC title game. Three yeah. different head coaches. Three different quarterbacks. As you look at it right now, if you had to pick today, your initial blind eye just looking at it, who are you taking in the game? After watching both of them play this weekend. That's really tough because the Cowboys' defense is so good. I said they'd match up well with the 49ers. Football's about matchups. Yep. And if I say what you want. I, and I've been, I, was, I said it all week. The Cowboys matched up well with the 49ers. Yep. I think it proved to be true. They did. They matched up Defensively. well which is what I said. I said defensively, <laughs> that, that offense they match up with, and they did. Yeah, yeah. The, the offense just didn't make any plays. Yeah. Right now, I'm leaning Philly. Okay. But okay. I haven't done any research at all. That's fair. I'm leaning Philly. Though. Yeah. Just because they look so good. They did look really, really good. And, yeah, and I think Philly's going to use some of what the Cowboys used in their game plan and go Because it was Philly. very effective. And if anybody can get after Purdy, it's Philly. Yes, Philly it can. can get after Purdy, man. They, this is his game, right? This is where he looks like a rookie. I think so. I mean, we saw flashes versus the Cowboys. Very he wasn't much so. great he was, versus the Cowboys. I, I he just agree. didn't lose the game. He didn't and turn Dak, the ball over. Dak lost exactly. the game, you could argue, for the Cowboys. At exactly. Like, you could argue that Dak gave away the game, and Purdy never gave away the game. Agreed. Never. I, and for a rookie, a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, you're supposed to have a couple of plays where you gave the game away. And I think he... I think they got they had him in distress, but he never panicked. No, they never. I never. I never saw a panic Purdy, and I want to see a, a panic Purdy who was also you know kind of pump fake Purdy, which was all over the place, high risk, high reward. We never really saw that guy. But that game plan defensively, still, it. I think it did what it, it was supposed to do. Oh, for sure. Was, I think they just wore down. Exactly. They wore down exactly. because they were making so many plays, and totally. you know as well as I do, you exude so much effort on the defensive end, especially when the game plan is on point. Yep. You were really ratcheting it up. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, dang, y'all can't score nothing? Yeah, I think that's why <laughs> the defense broke in the fourth quarter. Uh, okay, uh, getting to the uh, the other, uh, let's go to the AFC matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the uh, Chiefs with a big win over uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ended up being a little closer than everybody thought, only because the drama of Patrick Mahomes' sprained ankle early in that game in the first quarter. If not for that, you know, the Chiefs may run away with it. Uh, but he was a different quarterback, of course, after spraining his ankle. Mm-hmm. He came back in the game because he's tough. 
tough, but there's no doubt different offense uh, altogether with Patrick Mahomes, either hobbled or without Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey still had 14 receptions, the most by any tight end in, in any playoff game in the history of the NFL, so he is a monster. Uh, they just found a way to gut it out. I mean, they just, they just that's a gutty team. They, they're going to their fourth NFC title, fifth. AFC title, fifth, fifth, fifth AFC title fifth. game. Yeah, I forget. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you say? They own it. They own the AFC West. They own that, and now yeah. they, when they get home field advantage, it just pushes them to another level. Yeah. Um, so, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I thought, I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars made it competitive, but it was only competitive because Patrick Mahomes got hurt. I think if he didn't get hurt, they'd have pulled away and made it a blowout. Well, yeah, they were playing at a very high level, and the interesting thing to me, and I, I it, it amazes me when. You know that his only outlet is Travis Kelsey. I mean, you know that Kelsey's going to get the ball, and he still has 14 receptions in a game, Crazy. two touchdowns, and just out there just making play after play after play. And you know he's going to go to him. You know, it. <laughs> like you still cannot stop him. Yeah. So it it it, it was good to watch him. And to your point, when he got hurt, and the best thing that I loved about what. Um, uh, Andy Reid said was, my biggest concern was him being able to protect himself. I wasn't mm. going to let him go out there and not be able to protect himself. So I told him, go get an x-ray and prove to me that you can take care of yourself out there because you don't want to get him destroyed out there. He's the a best franchise. He's, he is your franchise. franchise. And shout out to Chad Henney. He went out there and did his thing. But what did he do? Find a tight end. Get the ball to Kelsey. Smart. We'll score some points. Smart, smart move by Henny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, but they, I mean, they kept it rolling. They just, so they're such a, a playoff, a veteran playoff team. Uh, they did not panic at all when Patrick Mahomes got hurt. Uh, they still were able to take care of business. So uh, they advanced. No surprise there. We thought the best game would be the Bengals versus the Bills. It was not. Uh, Bengals beat the Bills 27-10, and Joe Burrow hmm. and company, they shine, even with on the road, uh, you know, uh, snowfall, like con- consistent snowfall. Yes. Um, in the midst of that, Joe Burrow still 23 of 36. Uh, they had three offensive linemen that were out in that game. He still had 242 yards and two touchdowns. And how did he do it? Got the ball out of his hands. Quick game, quick game, quick mm-hmm. game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick uh, game. Uh, if he averaged two and a half seconds uh, in terms of time to throw, and the Buffalo pressure just couldn't get to him in time. He, they only had a 21% pressure rate because the ball was out of his hands so damn quick. Right, right. And that's what you have to do, and that's some of the things that we were talking about. If he can get the ball out of his hands quickly because of that offensive line mm-hmm. and the fact that guys couldn't really rush the way that they wanted to Very true. because they were all slipping and yeah, sliding. That's true. And you know as well as I do, the best pers- the best way to attack something is going right at them because you know where you're supposed to go. The defense doesn't know where you're supposed to go, mm-hmm. so their their footing was was detrimental to them. But again, they ran the ball and they ran it for 172 yards on the ground. Joe Mixon being able to to run the rock, Samaje Piran doing his thing as well, and being that physical back, and even Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow averaged five yards a rush. He had six rushes for 31 yards. So that was big by him, too, knowing when to take those runs and not getting hit. That was big. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati found a way to put pressure on Josh Allen nearly 40% of the time. And it was just – it's amazing that defense held the Buffalo offense. You're talking about one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL to their fewest point total of the season. They were 4-12 of on third down. 
And I love this stat about it. But the Bills trailed by double digits on their final seven drives in the first 17 games of the season. So they the Bills trailed by double digits on their final seven drives in that game. But in the first 17 games of the season, the Bills had five drives where they trailed by double digits yep. total. So they had five total drives where they trailed yeah. by double digits the entire season, 17 games, and they had seven such drives in that game versus uh, the Bengals. The Bengals just dominated them. Yeah. Um, and the Bills, they're the first top five scoring offense held to 10 points in a playoff game since the 2005 Giants yeah. lost 23-0 to the Panthers in the wild card round. Well, you knew it was going to be interesting when they drove down in six mm-hmm. plays and they had a touchdown within six plays. And then the next time they got the ball, they went on a 10-play drive and they got a touchdown. They punted, and then they they got a field goal, then they went to halftime, and then they scored a touchdown and then a field goal when they came out in the third quarter. That's when it was like, oh, okay, they for real. Yeah, for real. They wasn't messing around at all. I mean, how does Cincinnati, without with without three starting <laughs> offensive linemen, rush for 172 yards mm-hmm. on the road, by the way, mm-hmm. um, in hostile territory with con- consistent snowfall? They only allowed Burrow to get sacked one time. Yeah. And they only had one rush out of 32 rushes that lost yardage. There, there you go. There you go. They knew what they were doing, yeah, the game plan. And, again, whew, you, right you there, gave man. us the stat last that's year coaching. where he was the most sacked quarterback in NFL history mm-hmm. to make it to the Super Bowl. Yep. And that's why I said going into the weekend, I was like, those three linemen, he's played like that before. That don't really bother him because he's got Jamar Chase and he's got uh, Hurst as his tight end. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about all the people that he threw the ball to, threw the ball to Hurst, uh, I mean to Jamar Chase eight times. Got five receptions. Hurst, six times. Got five receptions. Piron, five times. Five receptions. T. Higgins, Boyd, Mixon, Irwin, and Wilcox. He was spreading the love around all day. And again, quick game, quick game, quick game. I wonder if the Bills are thinking about, I know it's crazy to say this, but they're thinking about making some changes too, but how close they've been and not been able to get over the hump. Come on. Their cap hits uh, are about to escalate. Uh, exponentially for Stefan Diggs and for Josh Allen. They're going to get to $32 million. They're going to have 10 players account for $150 million of cap space next season for them. And I, yeah, this little stat I always throw out there because it's, it's true. It's like the five-year rule in the NFL. <clears throat> if you look at a coach who has been the coach of a team for five years and had the same starting quarterback for at those five years or for at least five years within his tenure, um, no team in NFL history has started the same quarterback under the same head coach for more than five seasons and seen that that duo win their first title. Yeah. So basically, once your quarterback and head coach get to five more than five years together and they haven't won a championship, there's a good chance it ain't gonna happen. So it just haven't. It just there's not a lot of or any actual examples of that in, in NFL history because it's something about hitting your peak. Uh, in a certain relationship and the chemistry, but usually about after about five years, you can count on that thing starting to uh, drop off, to right. be a serious drop off. And that's what happened with Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, they hit their peak like almost like last year. They're, they're starting to regress a little bit. Yeah, check it they're out. They're regressing now. Because what happens is people take your coaches. Yep. You lose players. 
you lose cap space, and you got a certain amount of time just go, you know what, screw it, we're going all in. We're going all in because, you know what, in two years, we're not going to have this advantage. We got to go all in right now. Rams did it. Philly did it a few years ago. That's what you have to do in today's NFL if you're close like that. And Buffalo was close. I think they tried to go all in. They just didn't think that they, they were this far away. They, they Nobody expected Cincinnati to be this good this fast. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Except for Joe Burrow. Well, here's, here's to, to your point. They lost in the wild court card round in 2017. They lost in the wild card round in 2019. Lost in the conference championship in 2020. Lost in the divisional round 21. And lost in the divisional round in 22. So. I think they, yeah. I, I think right now they might have plateaued. Yep. As a, as a group together. And then yep. now you may be thinking about something else. Yep. Um, hopefully the Cowboys haven't plateaued. Oh, but a lot of people believe that Dak. Maybe plat maybe plateauing as a, as a star for the Cowboys at the quarterback position. Let me ask you something because I asked I, I asked the same question earlier during the year, and I actually asked to a couple of our guests, and they agreed with me. If you're looking at the Cowboys, just their blueprint to win championships, it seems like right now they're more geared and built around being a championship model, uh, built around Dak Prescott as an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. There are two ways to win a Super Bowl: elite quarterback or elite pass rush. There really aren't a lot of examples in between. Right. Go, I mean, go look at it. The Bengals, why are the Bengals competing for a Super Bowl now? Elite quarterback, right? You get elite quarterback or you get an elite uh, rush, sorry, pass rushing uh, defense. And when Philly won it with Nick Foles, they, had, they led the NFL in pressures that year. Um, hell, the Patriots have been winning it for years because they got Tom Brady, the GOAT. Mm-hmm. When Denver won with a, I don't know, an aging Peyton Manning in his twilight, they had, they led the NFL in sacks that year. Um, anytime Eli Manning has won the Super Bowl, the Giants have been top yep. three in sacks that year. If you're looking at a team that's winning without an elite quarterback, they're probably having an elite pass rush. The Cowboys are probably closer to being a team that should build around an elite pass rush more so than building around elite quarterback play. Because I think now we all agree that Dak's not elite and probably never going to get to elite status. So I'm not saying don't build It'll around be a that. Miracle. I'm just saying maybe switch your philosophy where you build around your top three best pass rusher in the league in Michael Parsons, who's also a positionless football player, which I've said is the future of football. Mm-hmm. He's that. He's both of those things. And you can build around that and have an elite pass rush. By the way, you're second in the NFL in sacks right now, and you lead the NFL in pressure rate. I know it sounds crazy, but you can start to stack that defense a little more over the years and then build the offense around the running game and ball control, getting back to when Cooper Rush was your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And everybody asked why the offense looks so different and you're having success because you were trying to just run the ball, control the clock, control the game in line of scrimmage, no turnover, so very low-risk, low-reward offense, but your defense is what led the way. I wonder if the Cowboys are closer to that model. And maybe there should be a shift to make Dak's job a little bit less burdensome. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I would agree with that because that was one of the things that I kept talking about at the very beginning. When Dallas was under control, they were a play, they were running the ball, play action. You would hit a tight end here or there. You would get a big throw down the field. They were trying to take the run away. Most of it was because they didn't think Cooper Rush was going to exactly. beat them. Agreed. But, you, we kept saying, if you stay with that game plan, that was going to be the key to success. Again, Cowboys won tw- tw- 12 games, won a playoff game. But at this point, when you're trying, 
the best of the best at this point, right? When you get into the playoffs, it's the creme de la creme. You got to go out there and show up. And again, you have to take some of that away from him. You have to be the smartest one in the room. You have to go in there and say, this is what we're going to do. And I blame a little bit of that on Kellen Moore, but I blame a little bit of that on, on Mike McCarthy as mm-hmm. well because he needed to take control of that situation. This is true. You see it right there. And they have to make those adjustments. When Pollard went out, zero adjustments were made. Mm-mm. The only adjustment you thought you could make was, let's just start chunking it across the, across the field. You can't do that against that defense. That's a vaunted defense. Period. You got to be smarter than that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I just I wonder if that's something the Cowboys need to consider too. Agree. You are like I said. Right now, you're going to lose a lot too. We haven't talked about that, but I don't know where they are with Tony Pollard. Right. But he's coming off an injury now too. That's right. So that's that's going to change his value. Maybe that's good. He suffered a fractured left fibula, um, and he's going to be dealing with that. Needs he's going to require surgery. Do we? Do we? Franchise tag him. That's a great question. I don't know. It's a you, great question. I think you kind of have to. You think like so? you said, because you're coming off of an injury, you, he's not going to go anywhere. So if you franchise tag him, that is the best play for you right now, financially, is mm-hmm. to franchise tag him because you don't want to go out there and pay that big salary. No. Because what, what is the market going to ask of him? Yeah, and you don't want to give him four years if he comes back and he's not the same guy. He, yep. Yep. And, and mean, they made that mistake before. And, we, and I mean, and if you're the Cowboys, Zeke. too, you need to have two backs because we know Tony Pollard is not an every down back. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a good, like, he's good and he Very needs to play so. a lot. But yeah. he's 20 snaps, like 20 carries is probably what you're going to get. Maybe 20 carries and five catches, something like that, or somewhere in between is about what you're going to get out of him. And when we've seen this Cowboys offense run well, you need to have more run plays than that yep. because if you're throwing the ball 45 times, it's not a recipe for winning. No. And, and that's with most teams, unless you have one of like four or five quarterbacks. Exactly, totally agree with that. And yeah, I mean, kind of, the Cowboys should be done with the Zeke deal. Honestly, I think they're they're close to being done with Zeke's guaranteed money. Yeah, this is deal. the this is the year. I think it's like a five million dollar dead cap. Yeah, out. like so, you you can get out now. So you could technically get out of that, but then now with Tony Pollard being yeah. hurt, you're going to move on from Zeke and just have a brand new backfield. You could, you could. You could. I mean, there is a name out there, and he's probably going to stay where he's at. But there is a guy who's a free agent, Deontay Foreman, who. Should be sought after as a very good two down system back. And should yep. be cheap pre- relatively. relatively. I mean, yes, but I mean, like, if you go get him and replace Zeke with him, I think that's a solid replacement for Zeke. That's a good idea, Patrick. I like that. That's a great one. I'm with you on that one. Uh, being a Dallas Cowboy is dangerous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he probably grew up wanting to be a Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He grew up right there with Texas City down there. Yeah. Um, all right, we come back. We'll talk more Cowboys on the other side. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Dak Prescott also getting to the game, um, break down what opportunities were missed by the Dallas Cowboys in that matchup versus the 49ers. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horns. Talking Cowboys, of course, and their disappointing loss uh, to the 49ers, 19-12. to Ironically enough, they lost the first game of the season when their opponent scored 19 points and lost their last game of the season when their opponent scored 19 points. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. That's an indictment on the the offensive prowess 
of the Dallas Cowboys, certainly. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where things will start. I, I, if I had told Cowboys fans prior to this game, that you were going to hold Christian McCaffrey and Debo combined to 24 touches for, what, 113 yards or something like that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would have been ecstatic. You were going to hold the 49ers' potent rushing attack to 3.5 yards per carry as a team and hold them to 19 points, you'd have been like, Cowboys win. That's Cowboys what the win. normal thought would have been. Cowboys going to the MC title yeah. game. Uh, that was not the case because uh, the Cowboys' <laughs> offense did not show up. One of the most uh, potent offenses in the NFL. You didn't get, like I said, you didn't get big Dak energy. You got that last game with Tampa Bay. You did not get it this game. Uh, Dak ended up making uh, some crucial mistakes that really led to essentially six points for the 49ers, but that's all it took. You lost 19-12, to 12, mm. so six points. I mean, in a nutshell, that could pretty much be the ball game. I, I, I'll say this about... Uh, Dak Prescott, because I'm a I'm a Dak fan. I've been for a while, and that's basically a lot of this conversation is centering around Dak. And I think it's it's unfair, but as my man Vy once told me, quarterbacks get all the girls, they get all the grief. So unfairly, they get all the girls, but unfairly, they also get all the grief. So it kind of adds up. It's all relative over time. But Dak Prescott is 0 and 3 in divisional round. 0 and 3 in divisional round. Yep. Uh, so something needs to be done. And if you want to look at this season as a regression, I guess technically you could look at this season as a regression. But one of the stats that I thought that was, man, mind-blowing, and it took Dak haters to give me the stat. I'm not a Dak hater, but <laughs> Dak haters keep up with these types of stats. Yes, they do. Uh, and it's a crazy one. Dak has not had back-to-back games without a turnover for 49 mm. straight games. Meaning interception or lost fumble. His last multi-stretch game without an interception or a lost fumble was the last two games of 2018 in the season opener of 2019. Yeah. So I guess, do we think that Dak is starting to go down a, a, a plateauing or is he starting to regress? I think it's more of a plateauing than a regression because I've done the stats and his, this interception uh, rate that has skyrocketed this season – it's an outlier. If it happens next year, then we know we got real problems, and you need to go get you a quarterback guru, guru ASAP to fix these issues. Uh, right now, that's just, I think he's plateauing, and some Cowboys fans would say that's even more concerning. Right. Because I think I'd rather my quarterback continue to be high risk, high reward rather than plateau. Right? Cause, Truth. Because then you go, well, at least he's, when he gets that ball with two, when he gets the ball back with 259 left, three timeouts. Man. You go you, if he has if he's got a really high ceiling. Cowboys fans are really hopeful about Dak making that play. The truth is, Cowboys fans, y'all knew when he got that ball with three minutes with three timeouts against the 49ers, you had no shot. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was really excited. I said, "This is your opportunity to silence your critics." And then he threw he that. And he threw that First pass. Play. Exactly. I was like, "They're coming for you, brother. They're coming exactly. for you." That was a legacy moment. <laughs> yes, it was. That was a legacy yes, was. defining 100%. moment. And what the first play was a dropped interception could have been a pick six by Greenlaw. And then right, right <laughs> after that, the next play, he misses Gallup. On the deep, skinny post, mm-hmm. and he throws it on the outside. If it had been thrown on the inside, Gallup might still be running. Uh, and it's just, and these are small little things, but I think it shows you that, you know, those are the big time plays. You need your big time players to make in big games. And it's possible that Dak can make those plays some of the time. But like I said, consistently to win a Super Bowl, you're going to need your quarterback to play four straight games 
lights out football in elite level. Their best football for four straight games. Mm-hmm. Most quarterbacks can't do that, truth be told. That's why they don't make it that far in the playoffs. Correct. Um, but I don't know if Dak's capable of that. I don't. I don't know if he's capable. We saw it. He did it. He did it half the time in the playoffs this year. You played two games. In one game against Tampa Bay, he was the best version of Dak we'd seen in years, maybe ever. And in the game versus San Fran, you got small Dak energy. Yep. You needed big Dak energy four straight games to win the Super Bowl. And that's pretty much what it comes down to for the Cowboys. Is it on Kellen Moore? Certainly on Kellen Moore. And I, who am a Kellen Moore fan, would not disagree with the Cowboys if they want to move on. They've decided, even with top five offenses, with Kellen Moore's OC and Dak as your starting quarterback, you could decide, well, this is as far as Kellen Moore can take Dak. We think Dak's got a higher ceiling, but Kellen can't get him there. Yeah. We need we need an OC or a quarterback guru that can bring out the best version of Dak more consistently. If you want to go that route, I totally get it. I heard Nate Newton say something very interesting, though. Nate Newton says Dak's changing a lot of plays. Mm. Nate Newton says Dak's changing a lot of plays, a lot of scrimmage, a lot more plays than people think. And, and he, that's, I, I been my, Nate, that's been my scariest point. Yeah, I assume Nate Newton's plugged in, yep. nose ball, all right? And Nate Newton says, oh, Dak's changing a lot of those plays. And a lot of those plays he's changing where the box counts don't necessarily add up. He's throwing into stacked secondaries where the defense has the numbers advantage, and he's changing the plays into run plays where they don't they have a numbers disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I, so I, I, I got I to go look at the film and see that, but Nate Newton said that. Yeah. Nate Newton knows his stuff. So I don't know where the disconnect is or if indeed Dak has just hit his ceiling and then we have to be and we're confronted. If that's the case, that's fine, by the way. This is his ceiling. This is fine. It's okay. You can still get further than the divisional round if this is Dak's ceiling. You can't, but you have to build that that formula. You have to build that supporting cast around him. It has to be stronger. Right. Period. Your old line's got to be stronger. All right, your 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 weapons, the wide receivers, they got to be a stronger group. They're not strong enough. Um, your tight end ain't strong enough. Your running back, basically, all of the supporting cast is too weak to support uh, Dak at this level of play. You're right. not gonna beat the elite teams this way. It's just not gonna happen. You got to give him more support. So I agree. This draft, you need to draft wide receivers. You you need to running back needs to be a priority for you too. Um, you do need to upgrade the skill positions around him. Will that uplift him and make him a better player than kind of shatter this glass ceiling? I'm not sure. I think you like I said you might need to go with a new OC too, yep. new scheme to try to maximize and weaponize Dak a little bit better. Do you need to do you if you're going to go out and draft a wide receiver because you tried to go draft Tolbert? I Man, thought he was going to be a pro, but here's the deal: Do you need to go get a from a school that has a lot of wide receivers that have gone into the league, like in Ohio State? I don't know if there's going to be a guy that's there for you from mm-hmm. there, but do you need to go with some pedigree? I don't know if pedigree is a necessarily thing. I mean, there's certainly some factories out there that do a better job of producing wide receiver talent. Um, I just I think they need to draft wide receivers more consistently in middle rounds yeah. to avoid any wide receiver crisis. Yeah. Adopt what Green Bay and Pittsburgh have done with the wide receiver position. They just all Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Green Bay are continuously drafting wide receivers in middle to late rounds. But it's worked out for them because they really haven't had the draft receivers really high because they keep it stacked in that yep. regard. Yep. If I'm the Cowboys, I almost want to revamp their entire wide receiving drafting process. I just keep, but that's the whole whole point of that is if you believe in Dak enough, 
then you, if you don't believe in Dak enough, you might need to shift the model to be a run game, ball control oriented offense that's not centered around an elite quarterback. Love it's it. centered around a quarterback who can make the right decisions. So that's also a problem for Dak this year. And then be a defensive oriented team because your defense, honestly, that's where all your star power is right now. Sorry. Yep. You're not elite. You're elite on offense. Zach Martin is your elite player. CeeDee Lamb's great, but I don't know if he's elite yet at the wide receiver position. He's really good. He may be on his way to being there. But if you're talking about your elite players, you got a elite cornerback. You got an elite pass rusher over there. I think most of you, I think the Cowboys need to focus more on defense. You know how much money the Cowboys spend on offense? Mm-hmm. The Cowboys spend a ton of money. The Cowboys are probably spending, I don't know, 65, 70% of their uh, salary cap on offense alone. Ain't worried about defense because defense is cheap. You got yep. a rookie on Michael Parsons on a rookie contract. You got so he's not a rookie, but he's on a rookie contract. You got Trevon Diggs still on a rookie deal. Lane Vanderish might be your top three best defensive players this year, and that dude is on a one year mercenary deal. Yep. Your defense is cheap. Yep, I love, it's really cheap right now. You going to pay that defense sooner or later too. Yeah, and it's by coming the way, up quick. They all want to be the highest paid ever at their position. At their position, Michael's yep. going to want that, and Trevon Diggs going to want it too. Mm, mm, mm. So my thing is, you might need to think about a wholesale philosophical shift on, on, on the way you are building this football organization. Like it might, just because if Dak's not an elite quarterback, then why are you building around him like he's elite? Right. They're doing him a disservice, and you're also doing everybody else on that roster a disservice, too. You need to be realistic about the quarterback you have. That's the beauty of the Jalen Hurts experiment with the Philadelphia Eagles. They were very realistic about his skill set and his limitations. And they built the offense around those limitations and around his strengths. Which is why they run the ball a lot with him. And they run a lot of RPOs with him, a lot of play action pass. Uh, you know, they're using a ton of cheat codes because they believe, oh no, this guy's really good, but he's got to be in the right situation. Cowboys that really believe that. They believe Dak is el- almost elite no matter what the situation or circumstance. Getting back to Harge's point about you know the lack of play action pass, he's got 17 interceptions. 16 of them have been straight. Straight up dropbacks, just straight dropbacks. No play action pass, no RPOs, nothing. It's like, why is Dak even dropping back that much without some type of cheat code or assistance? Right. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> it shouldn't be. A, and by the way, it, it very, very rarely happens. Jalen Hurst, Hurst is not a straight drop back quarterback, and they don't treat him like they that. Not, yeah, they never treat, they him, treat like him like that. They don't treat him like that. It's like, no, he's not a straight drop back guy. Hell, Brock Purdy ain't a straight drop back guy. That's why Brock Purdy ain't straight dropping back. He's always got some play-action pass, always some misdirection. There's always, mm-hmm. there's always something to help him to occupy eyes of linebackers and safeties to give him an advantage, yep. to bake it into the game plan. And I don't see enough of that from the Cowboys and from, from uh, Kellen Moore, who I'm a big fan of. And one thing I, I think the Cowboys need to do, this is about humility. right? This is about uh, the man-in-the-mirror moment for the Cowboys. You do need to study the organizations who have been successful um, that are – in the same conference with you, or even in the same division with you. Because if you look at the Eagles, they'll actually give you hope as a Cowboys fan. The Eagles were a bit of a fuster cluck of a franchise not too long ago. Yep. Multiple times. I remember people were laughing at them when Chip Kelly was getting fired. Ah, oh, man. That's such a dumpster fire of a franchise. Fire Chip Kelly. Yep. Make the necessary moves and adjustments. Bring in Doug Peterson. Win a Super Bowl. Didn't take that long. And now you have the Eagles who are in the last 15 years, they've been in three NFC title games and with three different head coaches and three different quarterbacks. Man. You know, like it, 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 and the 49ers are a great example too. 
I mean, the 49ers, they've been a fuster cluck of a franchise before. Matter of fact, Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly, ironically, together. And then right after that, they have made the right hire with my man Shano, with John Lynch. And they've made some really, really good uh, decisions in the draft after that. And now they've been able to reset and reinvent the franchise. And now they are going to their sixth NFC title game in the last 12 years with two different head coaches, four different starting quarterbacks. So what you're saying is the Cowboys need to hire Chip Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> the, the past, right? Hey, he might be a good old C though. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Hard you get as an old C, it might work out. Not as a head coach, no, no. no. But you're right. After that, they, for some reason, you, both of those franchises were able to reset and pivot and and self correct, if you will, after Man. disastrous uh, tenures from head coaches. Um, and I just for the Cowboys, I just think you can you can study different franchises and see that it it don't take the Cowboys long. Even if they do want to reset, I'm not saying you need to reset with Dak Prescott, but if you do want to reset, we've seen these franchises do it. Yep. I mean, Alex Smith was the 49ers quarterback, and they held Jim Harbaugh took him to an NFC title game and decided, no, 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 not sorry, Alex Smith, you're not my guy. We're upgrading to Colin Kaepernick. Philadelphia did it. Um, with when Carson Wentz was there and they upgraded over him um, with Jalen Hurts. Kansas City's done it when they had Alex Smith. Sorry, Alex Smith. And then they pivot, reset, upgrade, and reinvent themselves with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying the Cowboys need to do this with Dak Prescott, but I'm just saying you can reset, pivot, and reinvent yourself as a franchise, and it doesn't take 15 years. Right. It takes a hard reset, but you have to have a vision and know where the hell you're going. My point for the Cowboys now, I don't know where the hell they're going. Are you building around Dak as an elite quarterback? Mm. Are you building around the defense? Are we like what what are the Cowboys as a franchise? I don't know. I don't know what their identity is. I don't know what the culture is. Right now, I think they should be considered a defensive oriented team that can control the ball on offense, but they don't do that very well. They want to throw the ball on offense. They want to build around Dak. So my point is a Cowboys need an offseason, man of the mirror moment. Figure out who the hell you want to be as a franchise. That's what important. you want to be as a franchise, yep. and then you got to, you know, you got to make necessary adjustments and decisions to be able to fulfill that, you know, whatever that promise may be. But I have no idea what the Cowboys are going to do. You building around Dak or not? If you building around Dak, then let's go. What are let's, you waiting for? Let's, let's get it. Yeah, what are you wait? Why, why does he only have one uh, good receiver then? If you're building right, around right, Dak, right, right. I mean, if you're building around Dak, build around him. So, because we like our guys, right? They do like they're the most homegrown team in the NFL. Yeah. I respect that, um, but to that point, obviously, right now they may need to adjust. No doubt to reset things. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into another off the record right here on Ball the Line, one hundred four Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, we got a little off the record, but we'll just kind of keep the uh, conversation going with uh, the Cowboys and the NFL playoffs. We got some breaking news coming up for you next segment. We'll also talk a little uh, Texas basketball, but um, the Texas uh, football uh, staff um, also made a hire today. Uh, Texas football made a hire to the uh, football staff. We'll get into that coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. A couple other nuggets to wrap up our discussion about the Cowboys and that loss to the 49ers. A number that stood out to me, uh, just a couple of numbers that stood out to me. 
CeeDee Lamb, who had a great game, by the way, uh, 10 receptions for 117 yards, had a 46-yard uh, reception that was a pass interference, but just a great catch. He only had three routes past 10 yards the entire game. Just three. Which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, going into that game, remember I said one of the keys is going to be you got to stretch that 49er defense out. you got to take the top off of it. you got to chunk it deep a few times. Kansas City did it really well. Hell, the Raiders, they threw it deep like 11 different times and completed six of them on the 49ers. Um, the Cowboys only threw it past 20 yards four times, and they completed one. And that mm-hmm. was that 46-yarder to CeeDee Lamb. So they really didn't stretch the field but very much. But then they had Gallup. On they the one they just missed, and then they had one that had Warner, down the middle too. Warner came back on, and the linebacker came back, and and that was that was CD, and that was CD. But yeah. that should have, that could have been pass interference. He it did get have. a hand on him, yeah. So it could have been, but that was also very close to being completion as well. It was a, that so was a good throw. Three of the four I can think of off the top of my head. One of them worked. Two could have. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why you don't like. Why do you not take more when those are? And I can think of twenty. That were short passes that didn't that no, had no chance the whole way. No, it's yeah. a good point about that that seam route to CD Lamb where Fred Warner broke up. It's a really good play by Fred Warner. But I believe on that play, if I'm not mistaken, T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton is wide open. Yeah, he was. Like, yeah, he was wide open. Like could have been a touchdown potentially wide yep. wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dak just didn't see him. Um, so yeah, it's some of those. He was things. getting busted up in the pocket. Yeah, that's, true, that's a great point. Yeah. Even the, I, I, and I'll I'll say this too: when he misses Gallup on the skinny post at the end of the game, um, on that second play after the Greenlaw dropped interception, and he misses him, he throws it outside instead of throwing it inside, and Gallup was wide open too. He would he would have been if it not a big play, it'd have been a touchdown. Right, I mean, it really would have been. Right. But he couldn't step up into the throw. The pocket did collapse mm-hmm. right when he decided to release it. So I bet if he had been a step into it, it's possible it may not have floated on him as much. Correct. But, I mean, who knows? Here's a, a, another stat that I think is, is just damning to Kellen Moore and to Dak, too. And it's damning to their ability to process and make uh, the necessary mental adjustments. Mm-hmm. Do you realize... That the 49ers played zone coverage 95% of the time in that game? Damn. Ridiculous. I mean. Ridiculous. I'm sure they were waiting on some type of adjustment adjustment by the Cowboys so they would have to counter with some more man principles. They just kept playing zone. And to me, that's that's an indictment on Kellen Moore. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size, Beyonce size. But if Nate Newton is right and Dak Prescott is constantly changing the plays, which he should if he sees something that he likes, I wonder if that can be totally put on Kellen Moore. If he's calling plays that can beat zone coverage and then Dak's changing some of these plays. Right. And Nate Newton says he's changing a lot of plays. I would love to see this percentage of plays they think Dak changes. Um, that would be nice to know. But. 95% zone coverage rate shows you that the opposing team did not adjust very well. You should force your opponent to have to counter and have to adjust. They shouldn't be able to beat you with the same concept for four quarters. Right. That's exactly what they did to the Cowboys. Zone coverage. And yeah. Dak can't figure out the zone coverage. He definitely cannot figure out the zone coverage, and that better be his entire offseason. You know, they posted a picture today of him working out in the gym talking about he getting ready for next year. 
You don't need to be in the gym. You need to be on the football field throwing <laughs> balls so you can read the defense. You be reading them defenses, man. Exactly. Get that uh, that that football version of reading rainbow. <laughs> that going up there, man. What we need right now. Reading rainbow. <laughs> For real. I'm about that, too. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll come back. We got the 6 o'clock. We'll talk Texas basketball beating West Virginia on the road. Also, uh, we'll get into the breaking news coming from the 40 Acres. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn.